podcast. We're a pioneer church based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. Welcome to my table. It has seen a lot of action over the years. Uh, If it could tell stories, I am sure it would make a wonderful short film. Uh, Over 30 people who've lived in this home have gathered around it regularly. Um, Many hundreds have come through and sat around the table, many friends and quite a few strangers who have since become friends. And this is just one table. I wonder if you think about all the tables you have sat around, the conversations that you've had, the news and the views that have been exchanged, maybe the things you've shared, the announcements, the confessions, the healing that's come. Incredible things can happen around our tables. And my hope is really that we will understand our tables differently, Uh, that they will become places increasingly of formation. They're not just functional furniture, but places of transformation, healing, encounter, reconciliation. So this is the new series, At The Table, and it's about hospitality. And our tables can be places of friendship and fellowship, places of communion and encounter, places of mission and discipleship, places of reconciliation and justice. And uh, I honestly believe as we enter in to um, hospitality in a new way, we will discover a deeper sense of calling. We are wired for this and we need to learn how to practice it better. We've got so far, I feel like we're ankle deep in understanding hospitality in the church in the West. And we've got so much to learn. We've got so much to learn from brothers and sisters around the world. We've got so much to learn from scripture and the Holy Spirit is gonna be our guide. So I'm excited about this summer. And um, whether it's kitchen tables, uh, picnic tables, uh, garden tables, pub tables, whatever tables they are, let's be mindful of what can happen around them. I wanna start with a prophetic word actually that uh, was given at Wildfires. It was a public word given by John Scott. He's a prophet from Glasgow and he shared this. I've I've just, I've just typed it up this morning, uh, or most of it. Have a listen. So I got this place a couple of weeks ago called Loughborough. Who is from Loughborough? I've no idea where that is, and I'm not great with geography. I sense the Lord say this three weeks ago. In Loughborough, there would be open heavens for open doors. The thing is, you've had an open heaven but you've not had an open door. You've had an open heaven open before you for a long time, but you've not had the expression, the route for where that open heaven could flow and function. And in these next six months between now and Christmas, you're gonna see a flow of the Spirit and that open heaven connect with people and uh, things and transform. The Lord says, I've seen your pain, your incredible pain, and I will fill that space and I will release your dreams of 30 years ago in the next six months. Not in completion and fullness, but step by step. There is an open heaven, not over just the church, but over Loughborough. And I believe the Lord is gonna give you uh, strategies to speak into that, that area.
and that he will release people from bondage, release people from mindsets that have kept them in bondage rather than their circumstances. Open heaven and open doors. And um, I, that's why I want to start, because I, I believe hospitality starts with open hearts. It isn't so much the practice of feeding people, it's what's going on in our hearts. And I believe God wants to do something in our hearts, expand our hearts for uh, people around us and for what we've got to give. I want to dive into scripture straight away. Um, in Luke 24, uh, on the road to Emmaus, this wonderful, wonderful story uh, that we're familiar with, but it speaks to us of hospitality and it speaks to us of open hearts because you have these disciples and they're troubled. <laughs> and uh, we're a band of troubled disciples, aren't we? We're troubled about all kinds of things uh, in the world and in our own lives. And as they walk along the road, they open up to this stranger. They open their hearts to a stranger and they start pouring out their hearts about what's gone on and what's got wrong, gone wrong. And this stranger listens to them. And as we know, as the story goes on, uh, they invite him in. They say, don't go on, please stay with us. Please hang about. We want to hear more from you. Um, they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's almost evening, the day's almost over. So he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, <clears throat> broke it and began to give it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. This sense of what happens when we open our hearts? What can then happen when we recognize that Jesus is present in the midst of our conversations, in the midst of our struggles, uh, that transformation comes, healing comes, eyes get opened. Uh, this is our potential. These aren't just bits of wood. These have the potential to open up eyes and destinies and bring healing and perspective. Um, this is a, a wonderful book, Radical Hospitality. Uh, get hold of it. They're, they're about three quid secondhand on, uh, on eBay and um, really, really good stuff. Let me read a little bit that ties in with this passage and with strangers. <clears throat> Hospitality is a personal response to your own need to connect with other people. This need is at the core of what it means to be human. Your, your entire humanity, your identity itself is wrapped up in your need to connect. The real question is not how dangerous that stranger is. The real question is how dangerous will I become if I don't learn to be more open? Choosing against hospitality means you'll eventually lock your heart away from others and grow cold and hard on the inside. You cannot take seriously the spiritual practice of hospitality and remain as you are. If you're serious about it, nothing will ever be the same again. Amazing. True. We kind of know that deep down. We know that when we don't share our lives, it's not good for us. We're not, we're not participating in our humanity. We're not participating in the wholeness that God wants to bring into our lives. Entertaining strangers. It seems a bit scary, isn't it? Because from a young age, we're told, don't talk to strangers. 
as children, we're told that all the time. We tell our children that, don't talk to strangers. But we're not children anymore. We can talk to strangers. <laughs> um, we can welcome them. We can open our hearts to them. We can open our hearts to the other. Indeed, there's parts of us that are strange to ourselves. To recognise a stranger, we need to recognise there's, there's a stranger in us uh, that others also need to welcome. So I want us to be bold and courageous as we think about hospitality, as we think about maybe expanding who we invite into our lives, into our hearts, and ultimately around our tables. Paul writes uh, to the Thessalonians, he writes this, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted uh, to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Our lives as well. How can we share our lives and, and, and open our hearts? 1 Peter 4 talks about Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And Romans 12, 13 says, share, the, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. I tell you, there's gold in this for us. There's, there's breakthrough in this for us as a community. Maybe these dreams of 30 years ago, when the church was just being incubated, might begin to come about because God's strategy is based on us opening our hearts, our homes, our tables, and practicing hospitality in a new way. How else will people get to know that Christ is in us and we have this hope of glory living in us? How will they get to know unless they're invited to journey with us, unless we dare to open our hearts to people? Secondly, hospitality is about obedience and following the way of Jesus. He modelled it. Uh, in Luke's Gospel, it said that Jesus was often either on a way to a meal at a meal or coming from a meal. He modelled meals. That's where most of his discipleship and mission seemed to happen. Uh, in Luke 7, he's at the house of a Pharisee called Simon uh, and an uninvited guest comes in. A woman, a prostitute comes in with an expensive jar of perfume, gate crashes this place. Jesus welcomes her. Her life is transformed and the Pharisees are given much to think about. Luke 9, outside a massive picnic, 5,000 men, women and children uh, added to that. Jesus at the heart of it, deploying his disciples to outwork this miracle. Luke 10, in the home of Mary and Martha, a very kind of homely setting where Jesus encounters and teaches, gently rebukes and calls out. Luke 14, another Pharisee's home. Can you imagine Jesus coming to your home, your dinner party and saying this to you as a host? When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers and sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Uh, ten years ago, uh, 
Fusion enacted this. We had a team training day for a couple of new team members by the names of Miriam and Pippa and Luke was hosting it and he told them to get to a venue at 7.30 in the morning and they thought they were going to kind of have a nice retreat day. But he set them this challenge. He said, um, this is a bit like Dragon's Den um, or The Apprentice. Um, I've got 150 pounds and in 12 hours time, I want you to throw a banquet for anyone who'll come in this city. And they had 12 hours to plan this banquet. There's a little YouTube video. It's had over 10,000 hits now. Absolutely fantastic. And um, all these people got invited. All walks of life got invited. And they were enacting this parable uh, that Jesus told. And then that's what Jesus goes on to say uh, after he talks to this host. He tells this parable about this banquet in heaven. Luke 19, he invites himself to the home of Zacchaeus, um, someone who was hated. <laughs> by the Jewish society and yet he goes and hangs out, he picks him out and hangs out. And then Luke 22, Jesus hosts his own dinner party, this time for his disciples called the Last Supper, where he broke bread and gave instructions and insight into what was gonna follow. Thirdly, hospitality is foundational for justice, mission and discipleship. If you think about it, what happens when we are prepared to sit down with people, sit down with those we disagree with, sit down with those who are different from us. This is the foundation for justice being outworked. It's very, very practical for us to do it. Who is it that we don't get on with? Who is it that we're struggling with? How might we sit down with them? What could change? What could be reconciled? Psalm 23, another table, a table prepared in the presence of our enemies. Uh, Jesus doesn't want us to shy away from difficult situations. He's prepared a table for us. There's no place where we can't venture, where his kingdom rule and reign can't be outworked in our lives. And then there's this great invitation that God has for people. Isaiah 55, um, again, familiar Language, familiar words. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and, and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, Listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. What was that witness that David gave? What was that leadership that he gave? Let's turn to 2 Samuel. David asked, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba, and they called him to appear before David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? Your servant, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still left in the house of Saul to who I can show God's kindness? 
Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Micah. So King David had him brought from the house of Micah. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honour. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Wow. Wow. God's heart for justice. God's heart for sharing our tables. We're all crippled in some way, mentally, emotionally, financially, broken. And yet there's an invitation. And I wonder, I wonder how we can extend that invitation. How justice, mission and discipleship can get outworked. You see, hospitality is at the heart of living the Christian life. I was with my friend Jasper a couple of weeks ago. We went walking in Northern Ireland and we chatted about all kinds of things. And he's got a real heart for particularly young men who have just had a really tough time and don't really fit and are right on the edges. And he's been tracking with this guy for some time. And he's not the sort of person most people would invite to hang out with their family. But Jasper's different. Jasper invited him to hang out with his family. Um, it was this guy's birthday and he said, come and join us. We're going to have a barbecue and um, we want to celebrate your birthday with him. And he prayed about it uh, and God gave him a picture of a Colin the Caterpillar cake. And he thought, well, this is a bit strange, but it's kind of fun. So, you know what, I'll buy my friend a Colin the Caterpillar cake. This guy's 23. He came to this barbecue and when they brought out the cake, he said, no one has ever given me a birthday cake before. And when I was younger, I always wanted a Colin the Caterpillar cake. Amazing. These stories don't just emerge uh, out of thin air. They emerge when we practice hospitality, when we take risks talking to strangers, when we open our hearts. Things then happen that bring healing and freedom and connection. And people feel noticed. Those people who have a low sense of self, who feel like dead dogs, they become noticed and known. And all of us, to some degree, need to feel noticed and known. Hospitality is at the heart of living the Christian life. It gets more extreme. Rahab in the Old Testament, hiding spies. You know, that's like the Dutch Christians 
in uh, World, War, World War II, hiding the Jews during the Holocaust, at risk to their own family. They're creating rooms in their own homes to hide these people. That's extreme hospitality. Probably it's a bit outside the scope of what we feel ready for or is needed. But we have got amazing families in open heaven who are opening their homes to people who are fleeing war at this time. And I wonder, I wonder how God would want us to open and stretch our hearts to welcome the stranger, welcome others in, maybe welcome the neighbour, maybe just even welcome someone in church who you don't know very well. There's starting points for us all on this journey, but one thing's for certain, no one is excluded from the practice of hospitality. You don't even need a table, you just need an open heart. We can find tables all over the place. So how might we go about that this summer? The Bible's full of parables and teachings. Um, the Good Samaritan is a parable about hospitality. So much of the teachings of Jesus is about giving and sharing and loving. In Matthew's account of the Last Supper, he writes, While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Eugene Peterson says, this, uh, this pattern of being blessed, broken and given is at the heart of the Christian story. Uh, it's the shape of the Eucharist. It's the shape of the gospel. It's the shape of the Christian life. And ultimately, all our tables might become echoes and dress rehearsals for that great banquet in heaven that we will surely get to participate in. It's not that far away. So in the meantime, what can we do? We can open our hearts. We can ask God to give us courage to talk to the stranger, to invite those in who we know and who we don't know so well. And we can break bread and we can drink wine and we can remember Jesus and we can remember his coming and the fact that he's coming again and the fact that he's present with us. We've been doing this regularly, Ness and I, uh, particularly over the last seven months since Lauren died. And it's brought much healing. It's brought much connection with people. It's expanded our hearts and our souls. It's made us recognise a deeper calling on our lives to be available for people and to share our lives. The brokenness as well as the good stuff, the sorrow as well as the joy. And I wonder what God might be asking you to share around your table. I'm going to finish with a table blessing. Uh, I've come across another, another lovely little book called Every Moment Holy. And it's got lots of liturgies for everyday things, indeed, uh, including table blessings. This is an example. You might want to consider saying a blessing uh, before each meal as we do this series. You can get hold of this book. You can download these actually uh, online. Um, Christ, our closest companion for the consolations of friendship and fellowship, for the blessing of family and the family of God, for the assurance that we do not walk this week's road alone, 
but are gathered in community, making good pilgrimage together through this life toward the eternal city. We thank you for the, for the assurance that you go before us and you also walk beside us, Lord Christ. We thank you all the more for your tender care displayed in the food and friends now before us. We offer you praise. How blessed we are to be called your children. How blessed to be adopted into your family. Blessed be your name, O God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. And then there's an opportunity to share more about our hearts and lives as we eat together. So, at the table, the practice of hospitality. Let's dare to take a deep dive into this and journey together well and invite a whole load of others that we might have open doors, open hearts and open tables. <laughs>